we are live. Welcome to Deceptively Clever, a history podcast that is casual about the truth. I'm Justin. John's on the line. We're about to do an object. There will be two true statements, one lie, and the score is currently 5-3 to me. I just wanted to do that because it rhymes. Oh my god, that was such like an efficient intro. That's not what, Mate, that's not what I, happens with this. Because <laughs> I do them every week, but I always hate when I have to set the microphone up again when I'm editing because... I'm not in record mode, and then I have to, like, get into it, so I thought I'll chuck one in at the top. I really want to shout, boom, boom, I'm here, but um, I didn't want to interrupt as well. Oh, look, I would have tolerated it, but... <laughs> oh, it's cool, loads of okay, energy, so I'm ready. It's John, it day. is January, we've done our Happy New Year's privately, but let's do it to the audience. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. We have a very exciting event today. You have improved your home coffee situation, and you've done that with oat milk. I think it's time for the official review. I don't actually have any oat milk anymore, Justin. That's because you drank it all, obviously. That was a one-off while I was staying with my sister. Sorry, mate. No. What? Your sister drinks oat milk? Yeah. But I don't. <laughs> I, so, okay. I'm sorry to so start you... 20, uh, 21 with a disappointing reveal that I don't drink oat milk. But uh, oh, I did have it look, once. I, I, I have met you before. I don't think I thought you'd fully converted yet. <laughs> Um, but you've you got an AeroPress, is that correct? I've got an AeroPress. It was a uh, Christmas present. Yep, good. Um, from the GF, and it's absolutely amazing. I love it. And I feel like... Very astute present. Lo- love it. You haven't got one, have you? I have not got an AeroPress, no. My, my goal, with my agreement with myself is that I get one when I resume wandering around the planet. But... I have a... Oh, as in, like, a, it's, like, a good travel accessory, basically. A good travel thing, or when I'm living, I don't know, like, I'm going from place to place. At the minute, the places where I live, I don't actually have a home, but the places where I stay all have espresso machines, so... Oh, right. Is that your go-to? Well, it's just there, and... I don't, I don't, I, the problem with AeroPress is they're so reasonably priced. It's amazing. Uh, so you've got, for the people at home, it's kind of a situation where you brew in a chamber and you push espresso through a filter with force and you get something in between filter and espresso. Is that correct? Yes. So basically, the setup is you put... It's basically like a very quick like French press cafetiere thing because you force the coffee through... You force the water through the coffee much quicker so yeah it is like it is halfway between because it's not exactly an espresso not exactly french press yeah you're not getting bars and bars of pressure yeah but um what i love though yeah is that you can make really nice coffee really quickly and there's no fat or anything but there's definitely like a whole aeropress world that i'm not going to get into where people write down their own methods and work out like the best ways of doing it which i feel is more your world than mine I like it because I, yeah, I thought I like it because the things I thought you were about to say were not something as basic as having a recipe. You have to have a recipe. Yes, but the recipe doesn't have to be like, in, like really specific. Please tell me you're measuring the amount of coffee. Yes, because it yeah because it comes with a spoon that like you can very nicely. Oh, you're measure. not weighing it. No, I'm not, you're not weighing doing grams. No. Do you okay. weigh your coffee when you put it in the thing? Well, I don't. Yeah, I have a timed grinder so the. I set the timing on the amount that comes out for espresso 
And if I'm making a pour over or a French press, I weigh the water and the coffee, obviously. My God. How do you how do you improve it if you don't know what you did last time? Because it's so nice anyway that you don't need to improve it. I'll tell you how. You don't need to worry if you're happy with mediocrity. <laughs> um, Is this why I'm not the favourite Marie Lalva? <laughs> no. I'm the most mediocre one. <laughs> no. Are you? No, I'm not. I'm the best. No, okay. But, um, Do you my, want to say who is? My brother, my brother has an AeroPress, and I said to him, I, oh, yeah. I have an AeroPress. And his, one of the first things that he said was, um, you should try the inverted method. And I was like, what was is going on? Just about this? to ask if you've tried the inverted method. So you haven't? I uh, have, actually, yeah. It's very good. Okay, what do you think? It's, yeah, it's very nice. Because when you push down, the, the method you're using most of the time, you have to push quite hard on a cup or a chamber of some sort. Whereas the inverted, you can make... Can you make it on the bench? Yeah, you can because you just basically you just stand it upside down. So yep. you basically have like a cafetiere pot just on your table, just yep. <laughs> about six inches off the ground. <laughs> this is yep. all like a re- for people who don't <laughs> give a shit about coffee or care about aeropresses. This is a <laughs> very boring conversation. Well, don't presume that this is all staying in the show. That's true. If you do have an aeropress... Cue the music. It's amazing. Cue the music. <laughs> Cue the music. Here we go, let's start. Yeah, shall we do a podcast? Let's do a podcast. Do I have a coffee chat for the day? I'm probably going to need a search engine then. Yes, and you better tell me when it's ready. Oh, I had a bit of listener feedback. Someone listened to an earlier episode and said that I should be using Ecosia instead of DuckDuckGo. Um, Ecosia is a... It's a search engine that also has a browser in it, I think, which plants trees based on the ad money they get. Um, it is good. I just found that I couldn't use it. What was that? Sorry, John. Why couldn't you use it? Like the actual... Uh, I don't know. Like it wasn't good enough. Like DuckDuckGo is not great. Obviously, the one that starts with G is the best search engine. Like that is why they're the biggest yeah. search engine company in the world. Um, but I just, I couldn't do a cozier. And my logic was always, I'd rather just give $100 to a tri- tree charity in a year because I never click on ad links anyway. I have a, I would, I switch devices and open a new private browser before I click on an ad link. So I'm not actually making a cozier any money. So I, that was my logic, but I don't think I've actually done that donation. Anyway, search <laughs> engine is ready. <laughs> So I'd like you to search the Bell Rock Lighthouse. I do love lighthouses. Is it B E L R O C K Lighthouse? That's the one. And it's two L's. Again, I'm being same. very loose with the uh, idea of an object. This is again a building. <laughs> no, a lighthouse is an object. Jink. I'll take that. Yeah. Well, this is a good-looking lighthouse. It is a good-looking lighthouse, isn't it? Am I focusing on the modern-looking lighthouse sticking up out of rocks or the drawings with a smaller structure next to a bigger structure? Oh, the one with the small structure next to the bigger structure is handy, but you're seeing pictures of all the same lighthouse, so that's obviously fine. Yes. Okay. Um, well, for the listeners, it's a white lighthouse. It's almost exactly what you would imagine if you imagined a lighthouse. A little bit more modern-looking than some of those like Victorian ones. But I would not be surprised if this was Victorian. <laughs> this is older than Victorian. Older? Yeah. Maybe that's why it didn't really look like one of them. Okay. 
Also, there's one photo where it has such high waves. I know, that's the one I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> it's terrifying. I'm not sure anyone that was in there survived that. It also suggests that it might be in the North Sea off Scotland. If so, good. It is in the North Sea and it is off Scotland. Love it. I really hope it's in the North Sea. There's like an unlimited supply of whiskey. <laughs> I just made that up. That's not a rule. Um, yeah, so this is the Bell Rock Lighthouse, which is the world's oldest surviving sea-washed lighthouse. So, Okay, okay. It was built, well, designed by Robert Stevenson. Does that name ring a bell? It does, don't know why. Probably because you're thinking of Robert Louis Stevenson? Maybe? Am I? Because Robert Louis Stevenson is the most famous of the Stevensons, and it is his... Robert Stevenson is his granddad. Oh, okay. So this... And Robert Lu- this guy... Robert Louis Stevenson the... wrote Treasure Island. Oh. Yes. Didn't know that, but yep, that would be why I've heard of it. I almost said Treasure Planet, which is something very different. <laughs> I was going to say a very different thing. Okay, so we've got a guy whose grandfather wrote a book. No, guy who is the granddad of someone who wrote a book. That makes a lot more sense on the time <laughs> scale. Thank you. Um, when you said it, I was like, oh, well, he's going to be old. <laughs> um, but also the Stevenson family is a family of engineers from Scotland who are basically, basically made a whole load of lighthouses. Um, but this is one of... Oh, they specialised in lighthouses. Yes, and lots... They, I mean, they did lots of other stuff, but they were responsible for many, many, many of Scotland's lighthouses, which is generally okay. quite impressive. But Robert Stevenson built this one in, well, construction started in 1807 and it was completed in 1811. So there you go, you're older than the Victorian period. When did Victorians start for the third week out of a month that I've asked this? I want to say 1837 for the third time. But let's just have a look. I think I, I think it was 27. Nah, 1837. 1837 to 1901. <laughs> At least I guessed a different a different date every time. Yeah. You're like, 1704? <laughs> oh, just... Yeah, it was the other one. It was a Victoria minus one. Victoria minus one. Actually, probably be Victoria zero, but anyway, math was, was not my strong suit. Uh, so we've got a lighthouse that took four years to build. Yeah. So I'll tell you where it in is. In the North well. Sea. So it's... Yep, please. It's 12 miles east of Dundee, I, I believe. But basically, it's it's in a very important location for getting to... Um, Bell Rock is basically... Located, Where is it, John? <laughs> Bell Rock is basically located um, near the entrance of the Firth of Tay and the Firth of Forth. So these are two areas where you can get basically inland into Scotland and you can then get closer to, I believe, Edinburgh and maybe Dundee. Maybe. Potentially. I'm going to have to change rooms again. That's not relevant to the rest of the statement, the rest of the information then. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Sure. So they're at a place where there's going to be a relatively high volume of traffic of ships. So basically. We don't know why. Yep. Bell Rock Lighthouse is located on a little reef um, 12 miles east of Dundee. And it's a very important location because you can get into the Firth of Tay and the Firth of Forth. One lets you get to Dundee. 
and into Perth. One lets you get to Edinburgh and a bit further than that. So we're talking, it's sort of, if you look at where Bell Rock is located, it's just, it's literally parallel with Dundee, just into the ocean. And basically what it means is that ships that are trying to get into the Firth of Tay and the Firth of Forth are just faced with these terrible, terrible rocks. And these rocks are incredibly dangerous before the lighthouse was on them. Because basically they are, they're only ever visible for a couple of hours during the day. And it's um, during very low tide. And during high tide, it's like, I think, 15 feet underwater, um, if I've got that correct. But basically, you just can't see them. And when you can, they're still nice and shallow, so they still look incredibly dangerous. I mean, if you look at the lighthouse, it looks like it's just coming out of the sea because you can't see any of the rocks. But they are definitely there. <laughs> I mean, that is generally why lighthouses are built. And... and... It's, um, I guess that made it easier to build a lighthouse. At least they could build for four hours a day. Um, I'm going to explain to you why it's really hard to build a lighthouse <laughs> there. But that's, uh, okay. that's good. But basically, they had a massive issue with ships getting wrecked there. I think something like seven every winter or around that, around that number. And I read that in one storm off the coast of Scotland, 70 ships were wrecked, which just... It's crazy. I mean, that feels like there was a bit of negligence there. What do you mean? I feel like after the first few, they maybe should have stopped trying to sail in the storm. I know, but when when you have to, <laughs> or when you're called, they have to. Well, I mean, people do, people couldn't predict when storms were going to happen, could they? Well, you can wait out on the not so rough bits, surely. Not if it like happens as you're sailing in. Oh, the storm just magically... Maybe it's like the Bermuda Triangle. There's some sort of magical intervention. I mean, this suggests that I know something about sailing or whatever. Maybe all the King King James's witches were calling the storms to get the ships. <laughs> it's a nice little, you never know. Nice little throw. So basically, they decided that they need to get a lighthouse onto this rock because yep. it's absolutely yep. chaos and it's causing horrible, horrible tragedies. Um, 1804, just before they start building the lighthouse, a um, 64 gunship uh, called the HMS York was torn apart on the rocks and um, they lost their entire crew, which was a few hundred men, I think. So they decided that they absolutely had to build on it and they decided they were going to build the Bell Rock Lighthouse designed by Robert Stevenson, along with the help of someone else who is often forgotten about and that's proven because i've forgotten his name as well john rennie that's the one the construction started in 1807 and basically i think you just said that it was quite easy to build on these rocks did you justin well easier than if there were no rocks easier than if there were no rocks that's very true actually yeah but um i suppose if there were no rocks there'd be no issue though would there? Touche, touche, <laughs> love it. Yeah. So basically, uh, what they did was they had to build on these rocks, but you could only see the rocks for a couple of hours during the day. So what they did was they took out a workforce, and the workforce stayed on a ship that was moored next to the rocks, so that they could then get out onto the rocks for a couple of hours, 
put a little bit more work into building this lighthouse then get back on the ship and then they also built and you mentioned this earlier when you saw those pictures and i suggest going back and look at those pictures you can see a little tiny sort of it looks like a hut next to the lighthouse they also built that in which a few of the men could stay but there again that took ages to build because you could only build for a couple of hours and i think the longest period they got was three and a half hours um on the rock in the first well, well that's the kind of job i need work for four hours and read books for 10 hours and then sleep then I'll also say seasickness was, was a massive problem and everyone who was staying on this ship was often seasick. Um, well, that's not the kind of job I need and that would be horrible. <laughs> there we go. But they had to build railways on the rocks so that they could get the stone that was arriving from the landing point to where the lighthouse was being built. So not only are they building this lighthouse, but they are building all of this little infrastructure to allow them to build the lighthouse. So it sounds mm. just... It sounds hard. <laughs> Meanwhile, you're in the middle of the sea uh, on like a little bit of rock. Just, yeah, it sounds, it sounds horrific, <laughs> basically. Once they got up to a certain level, it was fine. They just had to get the materials there at the right time and then they could build up. Yeah. So, or, uh, did... so basically the first 30 feet, which I think is mostly the black section of the, um, uh, the lighthouse. Yep. So that's... That's what will be underwater most of the time or is getting beaten by waves. So that's got to be the yep. strongest part. Yep. So what, how they built that is, and you might be able to do it if you, if you search Bell Rock Dovetail Pattern. But basically what it is, is they've got all of these little interlocking pieces of stone. I don't, I don't mean little, they're massive. Interlocking pieces of stone. And it looks really satisfying and impressive when you look at it from above because it's all of these dovetail pieces of stone and they link round into this circle that's perfectly symmetrical and beautiful but also looks incredibly strong because it's never going to move <laughs> this stone pattern basically so once they got up there i think by the sounds of it it was probably a bit better because they could they were connected to the um temporary i think it was called the beacon house that they could also stay that is an intricate amount of work involved in that base yes it's impressive isn't it i suggest that anyone uh, did you get that with bell rock dovetail yeah yeah so the actual structure itself is 115 feet tall so that that first 30 feet is solid dovetailed and in normal and useful measurements for the sensible audience how many did you say like 30 something meters 115 getting up towards 40 meters Let's go 38. 35. Well done. 35. So the base, the, the widest part, is at the bottom, and that's 42 feet or 12 metres, well, 13 metres. And that narrows out to 15 feet at the top, four and a half metres. And within the lighthouse, there are five chambers and one light room. So you've got a few rooms for the lighthouse keepers and a room for the light as well. Right. Estimated at okay. £42,000 when they started, ended up being £61,000, which is quite well, That's a large. good old-fashioned blowout. Yep. The light can be seen for 35 miles, which is pretty good. And in useful measurements, 20... <laughs> oh, more. I don't know, 40, let me, let me just, 46 or something? Let me just convert it for you. Just to... 35 miles no, is 56,327 metres. So... <laughs> I'm sure you can work Thank out you. kilometers yes. from that. Um, 
What do the Canadians use? Kilometres short. Canadians. Yeah, that's where most of our listeners are. <laughs> Outside of England. Um, they use moose. Yards. Thank God, thank God the yards. New Zealanders are right out here on our own with no COVID, COVID cases. Oh. Okay, so... Uh, 35 miles is 30 nautical miles. All right. Confused. At least that one is based on actual measurements of something. Um, 61,000 yards. Okay, so you can see it from a decent <laughs> distance. Yes. I guess you don't need to see a lighthouse from that far away. You just need to not hit the rocks. But you can. But you can. <laughs> and I'm sure that made it easier than navigating by the stars and a compass. It weighs 2,083 tons. How many newtons? Four. I don't know. <laughs> um... And 110 men worked on it, on the or an estimation of 110 men worked on building it. Uh, no deaths. No deaths, did you say? Yeah. We'll get to that later. Oh, <laughs> god damn it. I just want to say for the people, I am aware that newtons are probably a measurement of mass, not weight. Um, okay. I, just Any wanted other... to get, I wanted to get all these stats in there, because uh, I, I liked them when I found yeah. them. You had the numbers. I did see the numbers written at the bottom of your uh, story on the at Deceptively Clever Instagram and thought we're ready for some, some statistics here. Did you like my drawing uh, of my... Me- did you see the drawing of the measurements? No, I did not see it. <laughs> I didn't look that closely. I'll, I'll put those up later because they entertained me. Um, also, there's nothing, there's nothing important on this piece of paper that I put on. Right. I will just say it's. It was also featured in a BBC documentary called "The Seven Wonders of the Industrial World." It's pretty good, isn't it? Oh, that's a sad thought, but okay. Let's not call industrial things wonders. What? Um, what are you talking about? This is cool. No, no, I'm saying let's not use the term wonder for both naturally occurring things and industrial things. Like they need to be celebrated to the same degree oh, because they okay. do not. I kind of get that. Um, yeah. Like, let's call them impressive or. Uh, Seven impressive things of the industrial world. Yeah. Do you like some statements then? Just any other word. I just don't want any crossover branding with the, you know, the stuff we're burning, melting, flooding, and eroding on a daily basis. I can see why this would be on it. it. I think it's a little bit of nuance. You have to know what the base looks like. But once you've seen that base, you're impressed. It's true. Any other it's numbers wonderful. that we need to know about? Um, no, I don't think so. Got all the numbers? Got all the numbers, I think. I'll... Are we ready for some statements? I personally am ready for statements. Are you? <laughs> well, it's only really us that counts. <laughs> uh, yes. So, statement one. Statement number one. Let me pick up my 0.9mm stub nib fountain pen. One. Nerd. I've lost my pen. I don't think you need it. No, I think I'm fine. You ready? Yep. Statement one. Due to a communication error, the HMS Argyle crashed and sank into Bell Rock in 1915. 1915. Yep. It's not what you need in the middle of a world war. Carry on. Statement two. It is called Bell Rock because of a legend of the Abbot of Arbroath. Three. Statement three. The work was considered so dangerous that they mostly advertised to unmarried men constructing the tower. I'm sick and tired of history failing to appreciate unmarried men. <laughs> but anyway, um, let's just go in order. Communication error. <laughs> What's a communication error with a ship? 
was it people on the ship or was it between people on the ship and someone off the ship? It was between people at the lighthouse and people on the ship. To say communication error is probably... I don't know if that's the right term to use because it was more lack of communication because of the inability to. I'm not sure if that's an error or something else. Okay. The communication failed. How were they communicating? With semaphore or Morse code light flashing? So or could, radio transmission? So this is 1915, so you could only communicate to the lighthouse by sending a boat over or by, I think, there was something else, and I think it was, like, lights on the ship to the lighthouse. Well, the Titanic had Morse code tappers in the movie. That's true. I'm not sure if this did. Okay. Because surely... Yeah, I don't know, actually. Well, there you go. I mean, I'm not saying that the film Titanic is historically accurate. <laughs> um, but basically, they just had... I'll, <laughs> I'll give you a bit more context to this, because I, I feel like I'm just sort of um, talking now. This was during World War One, So, slap bang middle of world war one and the light was turned off because you didn't want to attract u-boats into the north sea where they could then maybe traverse it a bit better because they've got this lighthouse so it was only it was only turned on with when special permission was given or requested so that special permission was a captain of a ship requesting it to be turned on if he was from a british um Navy ship, which is the case of the HMS Argyle. So this is a, a, a British naval ship. It was travelling along the British coast up to um, a town in northern Scotland. Um, but it was having to avoid going into the open sea because of the threat of U-boats. But it was rejoining its squadron further up in Scotland. So when they were trying to... This was like the final thing they had to get past was Bell Rock. And as they're trying to go past it, they realise that they have to ask permission, but they can't get... Well, they tried to get a... It said a motor torpedo. I don't really know what that is. But they tried to get a boat out to the lighthouse. They tried to contact another ship to get them to send a boat out, but no one could get to the lighthouse. So basically, your situation is ship coming towards Bell Rock, hoping to just go carefully past it, but they just can't tell them to turn the light on. Right. Okay. And then they crash into it and die. They crash into it. From the report that uh, I found this long narrative description of the events, basically, by the sounds of it, they come up to the ship and they think it's a... Sh they are told that horrible, horrible storm has happened. And as they're sailing towards the lighthouse, someone says, there's a sailing ship in front of us. And the captain, this guy called James um, Tancred, is like, what? What's that sailing ship doing out here? It's not a sailing ship, it's the lighthouse. And they basically just crash into the rocks in front of it. And the lighthouse keepers have no idea what's going on because they can't hear it because the wind and all of this is just like crashing waves and everything. They have no idea. They only have any idea until one of them sees it happening outside. <laughs> um and no one died. There you go, Justin. Right, so I guess they weren't going too fast, and it was shallow anyway. 
by the sounds of it, they, they crashed and the ship is wrecked. But they have... They basically have two choices. They can try and salvage the ship and they can salvage the ship, but that it's just going to sit there for a while, which will just attract attention from potential U-boats who are in the area, especially if it's just this like burning ship. Or they could let it sink and go deep into the ocean where it will no longer be recovered. So by the sounds of it, there was some decision making, but they could also wait until two ships that were close by came and rescued all of the men from the lifeboats. So they had enough time to get everyone off onto the lifeboats, but they, then they decided that they're just going to let it sink. So the 600 and I think it was 40 crew were all fine. Thumbs up. The ship was not. <laughs> well, I mean, if it's crashed, it's not going to sink below the ocean. What? Like if it was beached, if it, if it was stuck on the rocks, it wasn't just going to... Yeah, like if it could hit the rocks, it wasn't. It was going to run into some rocks before it went under. Surely. Yeah, but there, I think there, I think it did go under. Right. I think. Was it? Okay. Well, I mean, if that was the story, that was the story. I, I've not been to Bell Rock. Never sunk a ship in my life. Um, well, I guess it depends what you count as a ship, but. <laughs> I have crashed a boat. Have you? Um, well, I was in a boat that crashed. I've been been in a few boat crashes actually. What? Um, we also have some, uh, low tides and high rocks. The boat was fine. Um, what's the legend in... Oh, is there anything else we probably should cover on Statement 1? Um, I don't think so. I feel like it's going to be determined... It, its validity is going to be determined based on the ridiculousness of the next two, <laughs> rather than any particular detail in Statement 1, so, uh... What is the legend that gave name to Bell Rock? So it's actually called Inchcape Rock um, rather than Bell Rock. But Robert Stevenson, in his... He wrote a book, basically, about the, the building of Bell Rock Lighthouse. And basically, there's this story behind the fact it's called Bell Rock because the abbot of Arbroath decided that these rocks were too treacherous. This is the 14th century, I believe. He acknowledged that these were dangerous rocks. So you can see why they definitely want to build a lighthouse because this guy in the 14th century is saying these rocks are too dangerous. And then you've still got centuries between the two sort of people who decide to <laughs> take action about it. Yep. So definitely a, a, a lot of disasters happened. But um, he decided to build this bell on top of the rock that would ring as the wind and the waves crashed against it and would warn anyone around the area, any ships that were coming in, that the rocks were here. Um, however, um, it didn't last very long. Well, it's kind of clever. I'm also not sure if it's true. <laughs> that is the thing with the legend. Yeah, because basically Robert Stevenson writes about this in his book and he says that this is the legend of the Abbot of Arbroath and... That would make for an excellent, like, preface to an introduction Yeah. to a book about building a lighthouse on a rock. But it's got a, it's got a, a brilliant ending because apparently the bell was stolen by pirates. <laughs> oh, what they want it for? I don't know. Who's <laughs> here? Yeah. I mean, usually they make expensive bills, well, they made expensive bills out of copper, but I feel like a great big bell on a lighthouse wasn't that important that it sounded beautiful 
<laughs> I think it was probably more that it was metal. But also, again, I'm not even sure if this is true. Because... Hard thing to steal. You've got to carry the, the thing. It's also not... Maybe it's also it wasn't very as big hard as I was like, imagining. It's hard not to picture like the... Arr, pirates. We've got the bell. Rather than just probably some people lugging a bell onto a belt. <laughs> belt? You're just interested <laughs> in the stereotype of a pirate stealing a bell. Yeah, I'm imagining Captain Jack Sparrow. <sighs> God, is that the most overrated franchise in the history of franchises? I mean, maybe only... Uh, it could only be perhaps be the Avengers that compete with it. <laughs> Hello, Ben. Hope, you, hope you're well. Um, the first Pirates Caribbean film was great. No, it wasn't. Yes, it was. It just trails off after that. Wrong. It's great. That, the first one's great. Jeffrey Rush, he's Australian. Gotta love him. That's true. But, I he's mean, the... he's better than that. He only did it for the money. Oh, he's he's the best thing about those films anyway. And good on him, Look too. Look at um, um, someone did make a point to me that Indiana Jones is also a very questionable series because out of the four films, only two of them are good. <laughs> so you could probably make the same argument for Indiana Jones. I really. feel like as time goes on, Star Wars has a lower rate than that. I haven't seen them, so I wouldn't know. Um, yeah, Star Wars used to be like three for three, excellent. And now it's like three for <laughs> maybe well, then it had four, a long four, time for, being... four for nine. <laughs> It was longer like three for three, so it was really hard to decide. It seems like the first new new one was kind of well received. Now I just don't even listen to the Christmas special podcast episodes that are only about Star Wars. So I have no idea whether it was good or not, because I don't care. Um, <laughs> it's hard. I feel like it, Pirates of the Caribbean's got to be worse than that. I think uh, saturation is key, isn't it? Because uh, everything just becomes a little bit less... Special ones, there's well, I was gonna say them. Lord of the Rings delivered as a person who hasn't read the books but didn't like The Hobbit. Yeah, Lord of the Rings, one. <laughs> Lord of the Rings again, three for three and then three for six. <laughs> oh, they made three films out of that. Oh, the, oh, the Hobbit, mm. yeah. I feel like Harry Potter got better the longer it went on. Yeah, Harry Potter was great. I watched this, I basically over Christmas watched, I watched six of the eight, and uh, they just get I'm like. Brilliant. The sixth one is probably the best one. I'll just say we have no comment on J.K. Rowling, and we don't generally listen to the opinions of old white people anyway, and we just consume the art that was made. Um, I What'd you do? Just skip one and two, and then just watch from then onwards. Yeah. Because three's a lot of people's favourite, which I didn't like the dark turn of the aesthetic of the castle with three. Four's just bad. Four's the not book bad. Booking four's not good. The, the book's not good. I like four. And the film's not. I like four because it goes, let's do some, like, let's not think about Voldemort for a bit until it's, like, really serious. And let's just have some fun with some, like, new schools and some challenges. And then it goes... It was all oh, by tiresome. The way, we didn't need a new school. We needed a Hogwarts drama. And we got, I don't know... There's plenty of drama Pretentious dickheads coming in. Oh, I probably can't even say dickhead on the podcast. Um, My highlight of the Harry Potter series is when Harry awkwardly kisses Cho Chang. No. <laughs> Why? What is wrong with you? <laughs> what are you joking? It's so awful that moment. Oh, okay. I can't right. watch the screen. No, I didn't. Even... Yeah, no, I didn't need to think about that. <laughs> highlight of the Harry Potter films. Oh. Actually, are the Harry Quidditch, Potter films... probably. Let's say again. Which one? 
Quidditch, but then they stopped doing Quidditch because it was too expensive. Yeah, and then Quidditch came back, and it was really cool. When uh, in the sixth one, that's why the sixth film. Mm. That's why the sixth film's great because it's actually that's got some funny bits as well. The bit where Harry drinks the um, look, potion of luck or whatever, and just starts like wandering about <laughs> aimlessly, but going really well. I love that bit. They did. They did do it. I mean, the sixth was the best book and the best film. Plus, you get more, more, more Snape action, and Snape's the best one. Jeez, is there anyone out? Can you just raise your hand if you're not offended yet? Because I'm sure we can do something about that. By me? No, the four people that are listening at this point. <laughs> I'm not offending anyone. Michaela hasn't read the books, so she. You just said Snape's the best. Yeah, like Snape's the best. I think he is probably one of the better characters. No. From like not as in like a nice character, as in like a more interesting character. N- no, it would have been. No, 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 no. Yes. He was just. It, it completely glosses over the fact that he was absolutely horrible to children. Like, it, and it doesn't make sense. Also, if he sees Lily's eyes in Harry's eyes, is he slightly attracted to Harry? No. <laughs> I, I don't, there's never an explanation of why it was so horrible to Neville. Oh, yeah. Neville's great. The only reason was to make sure that people didn't suspect him of being a good person in the beginning. It is funny how many times Harry like is like, I don't trust Snape. And to be proved so wrong, though. <laughs> well, yeah. Then there's the literal 180. Naming his kid after him. Yeah. <laughs> But anyway, anyway. <laughs> we digress. Um, so basically... So basically, Bell Rock was named because of a bell, but it had a different name that was a rock because of an abbot. Yeah, and, and Robert Stevenson goes on to say that they there's been two attempts to look for evidence of the bell of Bell Rock, and both have ne- come up with nothing. <laughs> so it's like a great story where he's like, this is why we need this lighthouse. This is why it's called Bell Rock. This, like, Abbot of Arbroath helped these people with this great effort. And then he goes, oh, we don't know if it happened, though. Right now, I feel like you've made this up, but I feel like it's you've done a little bit too good of a job for me to actually say you've made this up. Because it's right there in the name, Bell Rock. And then, but then you've added on, it had another name. And then you've said a bunch of words that I didn't understand. So now... <laughs> We might as well go to three. I don't know what more there is to say about three other than the the statement, but I'm guessing when I asked if there was death and you said, we'll talk about that later, you can now reveal where the souls were lost. So, yes, um, there were casualties while making this lighthouse. It was so dangerous and stormy weather and all of this sort of just chaos that was happening. They just couldn't, with a good moral conscience, um, send out a loads of family men um, to build this lighthouse. And so they... I'll be honest with you, I think if they had a conscience, they wouldn't have sent men to their death, but okay. Yeah. So, of the 110, 93 were unmarried. And so that's whether they had never married in the first place, or there were some more experienced workers who were widowed. Um which seems like a very bold choice, isn't it, to send out unmarried men, but there you go. Um, it did mean that there was an unusual amount of apprentices, which I thought was a fun fact. 
But again, there was also some very experienced people, lots of very experienced Masons, um, and quite a few of the ones who were married were there because they were specifically very, very experienced and good at their job. So there was some hand-picking of some certain people. They would have definitely needed some Masons, yes. I guess... I wonder if they also saved money from having a bunch of apprentices. Yeah, probably, to be honest. They <laughs> probably were quite happy about it. Um, Which then, considering the budget blowout, that's even worse. Well, it sounds a bit they basically just, like, <laughs> chose young blokes who could do the job quite well, because it's just a lot of, like, shifting stuff, basically. Um, right. And yep. a lot of hard labour. So... I mean, it's not inconceivable that you've come up with that. I'm really not sure U-boats were that much of a factor in World War One along that coast. As f- I honestly thought that in World War One the British just had such navy dominance that the Germans didn't really bother. But I guess if they were going to bother, they would have bothered with U-boats. Is this your deliberation period now? I guess so. I mean, I'm just going to... It doesn't... I literally would have exactly the same odds of picking a red, blue or yellow ball out of a bag. <laughs> This is this is the time where it really infuriates me where you go, oh the odds are so against me all this stuff and then just pick it right, so. No, the odds are thirty three percent. They're not thirty three percent though, are they? It's a good point actually. I'm five and we've I'm about fifty fifty as my average. I'm just bad at this game. <laughs> yours, you're exactly on the averages. You might as well just guess. <laughs> oh. So far. Well, the only way for you to get above the average is to guess correctly. So. I don't recommend that as a strategy. I can't. I think one, one and two are more intricate and would have required some creative thinking. But I feel like one of them's the lie. I mean, I guess you could have come up with this idea of unmarried men. It seems like the kind of thing they would have done with dangerous jobs a bit. It was not a time to be a lowly paid worker. People, people did not care about your safety. Let's go ahead and... Uh, I need some more thinking time, actually. While you're doing that, I'll explain why the fourth Harry Potter film is actually great. <laughs> oh, please do. So, are you going to deal with Harry's haircut now or at the end of your deliberations? I haven't had a haircut since August, so I am in no position to talk about anyone's hair, especially in the fourth Harry Potter where basically everything just gets longer. So, yeah, and you're not in a $148 million film. That's true. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Um, but, yeah, it's pretty terrible, that haircut, isn't it? I would say, point number one, why the fourth one's great, is Cedric Diggory. What a guy. Robert Pattinson. Another overrated... He, he was... No. Robert Pattinson also famously played a lighthouse keeper. So there you go. That's why it's important to talk about this. Is that a light between oceans? No, it's The Lighthouse. <laughs> is it called The Lighthouse? It's called The Lighthouse. It's like, it's a film that came out last year, but it looks sure. really good. I haven't, seen, I haven't seen that one yet. I haven't seen it yet, but apparently we'll it's make that brilliant. Optional, optional reading. Um, yeah, uh, I don't think you've made a great case for 4 being the best film. Can I make a case for 4 being the best film? 4 is not the best film. 6 is the best film. Oh. I'm just defending it because I think it's good. Oh, I see what I'm saying. It's I, I often in my rewatches just skip it. I go one, two, three. I don't really like watching three, but I go one, two, three, five, six. Need a little bit of time after six, and then just do a double header, seven, eight. 
Seven's much worse than eight. I don't think anyone should try to watch Seven as a standalone film, and they. I don't see any other. I, I don't think they had another option. I'm not. I don't think they should have released Seven and Eight together. At the same time, so I think, do you think they did a good job. Do you think there's anyone listening who hasn't watched Harry Potter films? Yeah. No, I don't think there's anyone listening, but... <laughs> Out of the two people listening? I don't think there's probably some people who've seen not all of them and haven't seen it well enough to have really know what we're talking about. That's true. And I don't know any of I don't know very many of the people that actually listen. This will be a more that this well. will be a more popular conversation than the Aeropress one though. So. Um well it turns out oat milk wasn't that much, that relevant to it. <laughs> Did you even try the oat milk? Yeah I had oat milk in the in the coffee while I was at my sister's and it was Yeah. Yeah it was nice. Yeah it's way better. Um Right come on. Lock I'm gonna in. lock in two. Yeah locking in two. Locking in two? Yep. Well you're wrong. <sighs> Which one is it? <laughs> Statement three. Statement three. I decided, basically, so, Statement one, HMS Argyle crashing into the ship was all true. Sure. Statement three, unmarried men just made that up. And then Statement two, in which there was a legend of Bell Rock, um, that one was, unfortunately, for Justin, true. I don't think that's unfortunate. Well, um, it's not six um, three. So. They were the two most interesting statements. So, for a history podcast that's casual about the truth, I'm <laughs> happy with the truth in this case. Um, so, and you, yeah, you come up with a good lie that made it was the old. I'm going to make the lie sound like the less interesting filler statement. Yeah, I went for and, a very simple um, one as well. Yeah, it's it's a it's a very valid strategy in this podcast, and when executed well, it works well. And I'm more than happy to not not take home the cake this time. I like to know the revolutions per minute of the lighthouse. Oh, I saw it's oh, I saw it's like flash. What was its flash stats? <laughs> oh dear. Oh, there are 96 steps to the top of the tower. Oh yeah, that's relevant. Where did I... Oh, this is annoying me now. I think it's like a white flash um, with five second intervals, I think, is the uh, lighthouse. So there you go. It's you. Okay, well that probably oh, uh, flash rounds white it up. Oh, every five seconds, there you go. Boom. That's quite frequent. Yeah, gotta see those rocks. There you go, Justin. Okay. Do you yeah. enjoy the bell rock Good lighthouse? job. Yes, yes. Uh, you can't go wrong with a lighthouse, really. I mean, this one had some stories. Had a life. Still in use. Still doing its job. Still in use. Became automated yep. in 1988. So no. Yeah, they will do that. Men on houses. Are, my lighthouses. The main lighthouse is also automated. Even though I can't see any real need for it, considering the navigational capacities of ships. But still. I also really try to avoid any of the darker stories that I read about the Bell Rock because I feel like. Often my history that I choose involves death, so... You do have a capacity to just present the facts as facts, and us, us emotional and sensitive beings out here have to deal with the death of dogs and such. When I saw that the HMS Elf. Argyle, everyone survived, I was like, that's a perfect statement. Just like that one. 
Justin will like that one, yes. I mean, it was during war as well. Bad things happened, but not to them. Not to them at all. Not to them. All right. Good job. This is probably the first one where we'll actually just finish like two people would normally finish conversation. Yeah. Goodbye. Bye. Oh, God. It's too much. Too much. You just basically, you don't have room in your life for anything else to be a bit of a nerd about. You're at your capacity. <laughs> Whereas I have such a large and hollow emotional void that I could take on so many hobby projects that do nothing but cost me money and the energy that I require to do anything else. I'm going to give you a red hot tip now, John. If you've forgotten to take your dissolvable B12 tablet earlier in the day, don't do it two minutes before you start a podcast because it will be really painful to speak. What's a B12 tablet? Uh, it's a thing vegans take. Everyone should take them, but basically we get B12 as humans from the animals that you slaughter being given supplements. So instead of giving the animals the supplements, I just take the supplements, but I've switched to to dissolvable ones because I couldn't get the spray, but the dissolvable ones I forgot make it hard to swallow or talk for a good half an hour. So if I could just extend this coffee chat for another 55 minutes, I think I'll be good to go. That bodes well for the first episode of the podcast. It's it's wonderful, isn't it? I'll just have to edit out all of my voice catches and I'll sound like I'm really stressed about getting your object right. It, it might, but it might on be that like, note... It, yeah. it might unlock like the best podcast episode ever, though, and you'll have to keep taking your V12 tablet before. Oh. Like Fortified Justin. Justin. <laughs>